If I can have my slides up, please. Thank you. And what's the first thing, boys and girls, we do before I tell you a story? You can remember? Yes? Imagination cream. So get your right hand, the opposite one to your left hand, okay? Your right hand, palm and forefinger of your right hand, and dig deep into the recesses of your pockets. You haven't got a pocket, you may find it in your shoe, okay, or some other receptacle in your person. And you should find a little container looking just like that. Have you got it? Show it to me. Make sure you've got the right one. Okay, good. Okay. Get this container, put it in your other hand, the left hand, hold it nice and tight under the lid, put it somewhere safe, and get some of this cream and put it all over your face. Okay, don't forget behind your ears. Okay, that's the idea. And get the lid, put it on nice and tight, and put it back into your pocket, because you've just applied imagination cream, and imagination cream helps you do what? Go on to your first, Jacob. Sorry? Your lids rolled away, did they? That's a bit of a pity. What, what does imagination can help you do? It helps you imagine, that's right. Or imaginate, as someone once told me. Imagination cream helps you imagine. And you want to, I want you to imagine somewhere quite a long way from here. In fact, a place where we were living before we came down south to Essex. Because I want to tell you about a certain character called Glen Eagle. In the highlands of Scotland, on one of the many mountains of that region, there sits a large nest on a rocky outcrop, thousands of feet above the sea. So high is this large nest, it's often bowled, uh, uh, buffeted by gale-force winds and soaked by heavy rain. But inhabitants of that lonely outcrop don't mind, as they are made of strong stuff. By nest standards, this nest is absolutely huge. In fact, giant would not be a too grand description. You see, the size of a nest is normally determined by the size of the bird. And the bird's nest that this, the bird that nests in this particular nest could never be described as small. As the nest was home to a golden eagle family, and the mother eagle was about to hatch a very first chick. She sat on a large egg, giving it all the warmth she could muster high up on that hill, protecting it from the fierce wind and the mounting cold. It would not be long now, she knew, and she would become welcome into her home and into her nest, a little eagle chicklet. Then something moved beneath her. She felt the egg heave, and then a gentle crack of the shell. The mother eagle hopped off the egg and gave a loud squawk to call her husband, who was soaring above the nest. Quick there, she shouted, Junior's on his way. With a great but graceful flap of wings, the giant eagle landed on the corner of the nest and followed his mate's gaze. Our baby's coming, cried the mother excitedly. I felt him moving, and just look at that crack. The crack grew larger and larger, and before their eyes, the shell fell apart and out popped a little damp bird eagle, its feathers plastered, plastered all over his little plump body. The eyes of the parents melted in sheer happiness at the sight of her newborn baby. The little chick shivered in the cold mountain air, blinked a couple of times before looking at its adoring parents and said, Oh, I suppose you're my parents, are you? 
Well, you took your time having me hatching me, didn't you? Do you think it's nice being imprisoned in this little oval shell for weeks and days? I was cracking up in there. I've been itching to get out these weeks, and look, look at the state of this nest. Do you have, why did you build it so high up? It's freezing out there. And why couldn't you settle for a warm forest, or at least a warm side of a mountain? And while we're talking about the nest, have you seen the state of it? It looks like it hasn't been cleaned in weeks. And this environment to bring up a baby chick? And by the way, I'm very hungry. The mother and father eagle just gaped in wonder at their dear little chicklet. It's good to meet you, son, said the father. We decided to call you Glenn after your great-great-grandfather, Bald Eagle. And I would like to welcome you to... Dad! Better little, little chicklet. Leave the welcome to later. I'm freezing here and my belly is empty. Go and get me some meat. Uh, okay, son, said the father. And the golden eagle flew off far into the distance. So it continued, night after night, day after day, this baby eagle would demand more and more and more from his poor parents. And you know what? He never once said thank you for anything. Now, eagles are famous. Famous for being one of the biggest birds around. And so eagles, eagle young, are normally very, very big too, far bigger than other birds among the animals. But this is not what began to happen to young Glen Eagle. Because although he began life as a fairly big eagle chicklet, the fact is, strangely, he began to get smaller rather than get bigger. In fact, for the moment he first cracked his egg and hopped out into the world, Glen Eagle just got smaller and smaller and smaller. His parents were very concerned about this, but didn't know what to do. For Glen, it was just another reason to complain. And Glen liked to complain. He liked to complain about everything and anything. One day, when both his parents were away hunting, a raven flew into Glen's nest. Oh, great, moaned Glenn. A visitor, no doubt a scrounge on the scrounge for something to eat. Quah, said the raven. My name's Roger, Roger the raven. Quah, your nest gets a lot coming up too. It's so high up, so high up. Mind you, look at the beautiful views. You can see for miles. Isn't it beautiful up here? And the air is so fresh and so wonderful. Quah, wonderful, complained Glenn. Who wants a nest with a view? My parents seem to think that I like living in a high-rise nest. I don't think it's wonderful at all. It's windy and miles and miles from anywhere. And I'm always cold and miserable. And, and if you think that I have spare food to, to, a food to spare for you, you're mistaken. So you might as well fly. Quah, said the raven. Actually, I've come here to welcome you to the neighbourhood. I heard that the eagles had a new baby and wanted to come and say hello. But, but aren't you a bit small for an eagle baby? Well... If all you can do so is comment about how small I am, you better go, squawked Glenn. But I want to help, said the raven. Have you tried eating worms? We ravens give a lot of worms to our young and it certainly helps them to grow. Worms? cried Glenn. Eat worms? I'm an eagle. I'm not a raven. I don't eat worms. We're too big and too beautiful to eat worms like common, common birds. If that's the best you can do, you best go. I don't need my mess made more untidy than it already is. So Roger the raven flew off in a huff, and Glenn shrunk that little bit smaller. A couple of days later, a sparrow flew into his nest, 
and seeing Glenn all by himself, flew into the nest for a chat. Hi, he chirped cheerfully. My name's Sam. I'm a sparrow. What are you doing in this eagle's nest? What am I doing in this eagle's nest, Squawk Glenn? It's my home. I live here, unfortunately. Oh, chirped the sparrow. It's just that such a large nest like this and so high up, I thought it was an eagle's nest, not a sparrow's. I am an eagle, bellowed Glen. I'm just a small eagle, that's all. Now what do you want, bothering me like this? Oh, I'm sorry, apologised the sparrow. I just popped in to be friendly. I saw you sitting up here all by yourself and thought that you could use a friend. Well, I don't need a friend, said Glen. I just need to get big. Have you tried leaving your nest occasionally and getting more exercise, asked the sparrow. I'll try everything to get away from your row, said Glenn, and he hopped onto the edge of the nest and launched himself into the air. Glenn flew around all day, trying to see if exercise is what he needed to get bigger, but it didn't work. Sam the Sparrow flew away upset. And you know what? Glenn just got a little bit smaller. A few days later, a blue bottle buzzed into Glenn's nest. Hello, buzzy insects. My name's Betty the Blue Bottle. You're new around here, aren't you? Yes, said Glenn. Now, what do you want? Oh, nothing, said the fly. I'm just flying around enjoying the gift of flight. Isn't it great to be able to fly? But it depends on whether you like battling against the wind and getting soaking wet if it's raining and always being cold. Flying doesn't seem very great to me, said Glenn. Oh, said the Blue Bottle. But I thought all insects like to fly. I'm not an insect, squawked Glenn. I'm a golden eagle. I'm just a bit small for my age, that's all. Oh, said the fly. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to insult you, Mr. Eagle. It, it must be great being an eagle. You may be a bit small on the small side, but you're still a lot bigger than me. Maybe, said Glenn. But I should be a lot bigger than this. It's bad enough being an eagle without being a small eagle. <laughs> I bet it's rubbish food that my mum and dad give me that makes me so small. Have you tried flapping your wings really fast like me, said Betty. It sure gives me a buzz, and maybe it'll help you to grow as well. So Glenn copied the small insect and flapped his wings very, very fast, as fast as he could. But no matter how hard he buzzed his wings, he couldn't make them buzz properly. Oh, this is useless, shouted Glenn. I'm an eagle, not a fly. Now buzz off and give me some peace. And so Betty the blue bottle flew off. And Glenn, do you know what? got a little bit smaller. Later on that day, his parents returned to the nest, bringing with them another visitor, a wise, tawny owl. owl. Hi, honey bunch, said his mother. Dad and I brought the doctor to see you, Glenn, to find out what's making you so small. Oh, great, said Glenn Eagle. Why can't people leave me alone? Can't you see I'm fed up with all these visitors? Hello, Glenn, said the doctor. How are you today? Oh, the same as every day, moaned Glenn. Fed up living in this nest, which is far too high up, and always in a mess. I'm cold, and as usual, I'm hungry because Mum and Dad never give me enough food. I'm a hassle by all the visitors that have been coming here lately, and of course, I feel very small. Would you like me to add anything else? No, no, said the owl. It's quite enough for now, as I know exactly what's wrong with you, young Glenn. You have ungratefulitis. A disease of the mind that's, that means you're never thankful with anything. You always find fault. And as a result, you are getting smaller and smaller as a person. Oh, squawked Glenn. That's great, isn't it? 
That's great. It's my fault I'm getting smaller, is it? My fault if I never have anything to be thankful for. Here I am suffering in this cold nest with no food, no friends, incompetent parents, and it's all my fault. But look, cried the doctor, even as you speak, you're getting smaller. And more you complain, the less you thank, and the less you thank, the smaller and the smaller you become. Oh, this is just typical of you, Mum and Dad, squawk Glenn. I have a problem with you. You go and bring me a silly old owl and blames me for everything. And what can possibly get worse in my life? And suddenly the noise stopped. And not only the noise stopped, but Glenn disappeared. He got so small, but now he's moaning and complaining to the fleas and to the microbes about how difficult life is and how he's never happy because no one ever does anything nice for him because no one is thankful. No, could ever be thankful like Glen Eagle. Glen Eagle was a big bird who became small because he never learnt how to say thank you. You know, boys and girls, and everyone else in the church, many people suffer from that disease, ungratefulitis, in the world in which we live. They suffer from ungratefulitis, but never happy. Never happy with what they have always wanting more, never thankful, never grateful. Whenever they open their mouth, it's not to thank, but it's to ask for more and ask or to complain about the way things are. I'm going to read you now a passage in the Bible. Luke chapter 17. Here it's recorded. Can we have it just back, back on my slide, please? Thank you. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Can you imagine that? Ten people came to Jesus. And they said to Jesus this. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Ten people. And how many people did Jesus heal? How many people? How many? Ten people came to him. How many people did he heal? Ten, Ten that's right. And how many came back to him to thank him? Just one, Stuart, that's right. One, only one. You see, we find it sometimes hard to recognize what we have. Ten percent of those who were healed had the nous and the gratefulness to come back and thank Jesus for the healing. Being ungrateful is a common thing that we can struggle with if we're not careful. And, and the problem with leprosy was, is it's a terrible disease, a horrible disease that deformed people and dealt with their skin. And Jesus, in fact, for that reason, many lepers used to cover themselves up and even carry a little bell where they should ring to warn people because people believed that all, all you had to do to actually contract the disease was to touch someone. If you touch them, you receive the disease. But that wasn't true. 
And when Jesus saw the leper, not only did he speak to the lepers, we're told in the Bible, but Jesus walked up to lepers and he touched them. He touched them to show that he believed and uh, he believed in the power of God, that he could bring healing to these people. Ten were healed and only one came back. So Jesus said, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, let's think about this a second. There were ten of them with leprosy, okay, and all ten were healed, and one comes back to Jesus, and Jesus says to that one, rise and go, your faith has made you well. What do you think he was talking about? Because the, leprosy, the man with leprosy already had his leprosy cleansed. He was already better. What do you think he was talking about? Any ideas? Anyone know? He throws himself at the feet of Jesus, thanks Jesus for healing him, and Jesus says, get up, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Any ideas? Any mums and dads or adults have any ideas? Go on then, yes. Sorry? The faith of God has healed him because he believed in God. That's right, his faith did heal him. Oh, sorry, sorry. Almost sorry about that. Um, got, got, yeah, that's right, he, his faith had healed him. But it, what leprosy is, leprosy was a, a, an outer disease of the body. But what Jesus is referring to is the inner disease of the heart. Because many people have ungratefulitis. They're not thankful for what God has given them. And all they want is more and more. And we call our present age a consumer age. We want to consume more and more and more and more. We're never happy. We always want more. But God wants us to recognize what we've already got. And this man was sent away because God was healing him, not just of his body, but also of the condition of his heart, the sinfulness in his life, and sending him away cleansed inside and cleansed outside. You see, ungratefulitis is a terrible thing. Whenever anyone does something for you, or gives you a gift, or gives you a plate of food, what should we do whenever we get food? Yes? We should, we should thank them, that's right. We thank, thank the person who prepared the food. Who else do we thank for the food? Yes, you know? God, that's right, we say a prayer, a very short prayer, called a grace. We give thanks for that. And when we get given gifts, or our teachers who educate us, do you ever thank your teacher for the time they take preparing their lessons to prepare to teach you, to help you to learn to read and write and do maths and understand the world in which we live? Do you thank your, do you, do you thank your, par uh, your, your teachers? And what about your parents who provide food for you to live, who look after you, who provide for all your needs? Do you thank your parents? and your grandparents, and other people in your lives that do so many good and wonderful things for you. Do you know, there's people in the world, boys and girls, and everyone else, who actually would love to raid our bins, would love to raid our bins to get food. And not just in other parts of the world, even in this country. This lady here was the first um, uh, British female to join the um, fire brigade. And this lady here, Sabrina Cohen Hatton, at the age of 15, her father died of a brain, from cancer of the brain, basically, and she became homeless from the age of 15 to the age of 17 in this country. She lived on the streets, even while she was at school. 
And she actually used to raid bins to get food out of the bins. She was actually, this, this um, last week, she was on Desert Island Disc because she's famous, because she's, she's not only um, a, a first female firefighter, she's now become the Deputy Commissioner of Firefighting in Suffolk. But until she was 17, she lived rough on our streets. And she used to sell the big issue. And she describes the big issue as a magazine that saved her life. They gave her enough money to live day by day, even though she was very, very hungry at times. She learnt to, uh, but through the big issue, she'd get enough money to live, and eventually she was give, found a home, and she joined the fire service. And now she's married, and she has her own daughter, and she's now very senior in the fire service. But she's very grateful. She's grateful for even a simple plate of food, because she's learned to live at times in her life with nothing at all. Learning to be grateful is really important. How many times has this been you? Mum and Dad try and serve you something lovely and healthy and you just don't want to let it pass your lips. You know, it can, we can become far too fussy in this world and the good food that blesses us and makes us healthy, we need to be thankful. It's not all about candy, it's not all about sweets. We need far more healthy food in our lives and we be thankful and grateful to God for providing it. So, let's not have ungratefulitis. When people do things for us, let's thank them. And when people don't do things for us, but just actually help to make our lives better, let's learn to say thank you. Let's practice saying thank you. Let's try it now. Let's say thank you. Say thank you. Let's say it again. Thank you. Let's say it again. Thank you. Let's learn to say thank you to God, to our parents, and those around us for all the good things that we enjoy day by day. Let's be thankful. Amen. Now we're going to sing together our final song. It's a lovely harvest song. We plough the fields and scatter. Number 585.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all the good gifts you give us, day by day. Help us to be thankful people. Help us, Lord, to celebrate your love, that others may catch that wave of celebration, that wave of thanksgiving, and put it also on their lips. Lord Jesus, make it so. In your name we ask it. Amen.